I'm OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Double Clutch Podcast, presented by Leaning. I'm Mike Miller, and once again I'm joined by Joe Holbert. Hi Mike, how are you doing today? Yeah, good thank you, you? Yep, again, buzzing to talk about um, NBA basketball on a Monday night again. Oh, and that's even a play on words for one of the teams we may or may not be discussing when we get around <laughs> to it. Um, and, and we're also joined by Mo, again. Back, Thanks back, for having me back. Straight. Yeah, two weeks. We've got a little little streak going on here. Thanks for having me back in. <laughs> no worries. How's it going? I'm good. Thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, I am. I am. I'm I'm good. I'm I'm enjoying the NBA, so everything is good. Um, and just before we, we we hit record, actually whilst we hit record, um, Matt Barnes has announced his retirement from the NBA after a 15 year season. Uh, that's gonna it's gonna be an interesting one. Uh, Joe, thoughts on Matt Barnes? I love that guy because he's the kind of guy he knows what he is. He knows that he is a pretty bad human being. And he just he just he just embraces it every time he goes onto the basketball court. What a guy he was! It's yeah. Uh, ten seconds into the pod, and you call someone a pretty bad human being. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, Mo, your takes on uh, the bad boy? Um, well, it's it's interesting, really. I love Matt Barnes when he was in the league. He was a real bad guy. He was a character that would go at anyone. He wasn't afraid of anyone in the league, but. And there's a lot that people don't know about Matt Barnes is that although on the court and people see him as this guy who's really tough and really bad, he has he's also a lot more like how we say it, like responsible or involved in the community and other causes that you wouldn't expect necessarily from someone with a character like that when they're in a the game. Yeah. Um so he he won a ring with the Warriors last year and didn't sign for anyone this season. So he picked Monday night to receive his ring. Um, because his sons could be in attendance, and it was also the ten-year anniversary of his mother's death. Oh wow! Um, so she she died for from uh, cancer. And one thing that he's doing now that he's retired is he's partnering with UCLA to offer scholarships to kids whose parents have had cancer. I think because um, okay. that's where he went to college. Um, so that's going to be some of the work that his foundations doing because he's already set up a foundation that pays for people to have surgeries and medication, etc. Um, so although he was a very tough guy on the court, it's not everything that meets the eye. You know, I wouldn't have expected that at first. No, not at all. Like his, his on court persona is one thing, um, and it's definitely been one of the more fun aspects I think of his career because I just love the fact that you never knew what you were going to hear one week to the next from this guy, um, and he could play a bit too. Like even even though his whole in, sort of role on his team was to be an irritant and an, an, an enforcer. I remember when he was at Memphis and they went through that decimation of injuries. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. And he had a game where he put up like 37 or something like that. So it's just crazy. And the guy's 30... Well, he is 37, so that's probably where I pulled 37 from. But he definitely put up a bunch of points. So it just amazes me that you can get these guys who have such a uh, rigid role in the team and you sort of overlook their actual abilities when actually you, uh, it's quite easy to forget that these guys are actually world-class basketball players too. Yeah, he was a really good defender. That was always what stuts me. I think the intimidation um, actually worked in his favour to some extent, but he was a good on-the-ball defender. I remember him in those Clippers teams. He started, didn't he, when they... Um, I think he was there three. It was Griffin at the four and DeAndre at the five. So he was a talented player. And I remember it, I, that Memphis season you're talking about, I remember in the playoffs he averaged like 38 minutes or something like that because they had so many injuries. Yeah, that was that was a, a bad, bad season uh, for them. In fact, actually this year is a bad, bad season for them as well. But we'll, we'll, go, we'll stay away from the Grizzlies for the minute. Um, okay, so... We weren't planning on talking about Matt Barnes, and we've just managed to fill five minutes, which is probably more than I spoke about Matt Barnes for the entirety of last season. Um, let's go to one of the teams that we really should be talking about. I can't believe we haven't spoken about them in so long. Uh, well, it feels like ages anyway. The best record in the league, 20-4, and four, the Houston Rockets. They just uh, reeled off nine straight wins, and I think eight of those were on the road. And they set a, uh, they set an all time record of seven straight road wins by ten points or more, which is just ridiculous. Um, Mo, these Rockets, how legit are they? 
Uh, the Rockets, I was, I was really planning on making a play on words with the Rockets taking off, but that would have been super lame. So we're not going to go with that. But the Rockets are absolutely <laughs> on fire at the minute. <laughs> um, no, they're playing amazing basketball. Um, great offensively. Elite. One of the best offenses. I think in terms, looking at their numbers, they're one of the best offenses of all time. Um, they're playing great. But the thing with every Mike D'Antoni team that plays well, um, that scores loads and loads of points in the regular season, is that I don't know if they're they're a great team for the regular season, but when it comes to the playoffs and the game slows down, will they be able to adapt and grind out tough games in the playoffs? That's my whole hang up with the Rockets. Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair point, Joe. Do you do you think they can maintain this this not necessarily game pace, but this this level of of performance in the playoffs? I think they can because that Portland game, I watched the end of it. Uh, this is obviously this is why we're talking about because Terry Stotts said they're the best team in the league right now, but. Um, what Stotts was very, um, he was trying to get across the point. Actually, they stopped the Rockets' three-point shot, and Harden and Paul still beat them one-on-one. -on -one. And I think Paul is obviously the difference this year. When you add a top-ten player, he's going to be the difference uh, in one way or another. But this team is perfectly constructed. Uh, the the best signing of the off-season, and I'm so happy because we had him in Minnesota about three or four years ago. And whenever he used to start, you'd get all the people in the Facebook comments saying, why is Mabar Mute starting? He's crap. He can't shoot. He is one of the best defenders in the league. And his contract is an absolute robbery. It's it's interesting you bring up Mabar Mute because I, I, th I think he's one of a few talents they've brought in who really have changed the way this team exists. Um I'm a massive fan of Daryl Morey and what he's done. He's looked at how this team's constructed, and and I know that people think that analytics is is overlooked, but the way he's sorry is overhyped. But the way he's he's gone out there and found exactly what they need, which is uh, lengthy, agile, uh, defensive players who can also shoot from the outside, and they're all interchangeable. He's he's managed to turn a D'Antoni team into what are they a top five defense now? So I'm just like. I, my only worry with this team is that maybe they are too good too soon. We're, what, 30% through the season so far? And this is a blistering pace they're on at the minute. Can they sustain it? I'm not so sure. Mo? Um, I think just touching back on Joe's point about Chris Paul being the difference maker, um, me personally, I don't think that Chris, never been to the conference finals, Paul, is going to be the difference maker in a playoff series when it comes maybe the first round yeah but anything after that um i was having this discussion the other day with a friend um he was trying to tell me that the rockets would beat the warriors and go to the finals this year um but i just can't see it happening so i think it's like the the phoenix suns teams with mike d'antoni they were great teams great to watch really fun put up loads of points but they never won so that's me Joe, what does James Harden have to do to get MVP? Well, he should have won it two years ago. Or was it th no three years ago? I apologise to Steph Curry there, but um, it was an absolute disgrace that he didn't win it three years ago. And it, I was all on Westbrook last year. In hindsight, with um, Westbrook's hero ball this year, you could kind of argue he maybe should have won it last year. But if he doesn't win it this year, there will be riots on the streets of Houston because. It's his year, and what I like about him actually is a lot of people really go at his defense. Look, he's not an elite defender, okay? He's not, you know, he's not Luke Mabamute, for example, but he does enough on that end. He's a better post defender than he gets credit for, but he is leading, as Mo said, one of the best offenses of all time, and he does it. What I love about him, he does it individually, but he can play team basketball as well. He's got a great pick and roll partner in Clint Capella, and they are the best team to watch right now. But I do understand all of your concerns because you guys have seen Dan Tony do this for a long time. <laughs> right, Dan Tony winds me up. Uh, I, I know a few people who will attest to that. But Harden's putting up 32.3 uh, points, 5.3 uh, rebounds and 9.2 assists, which is pretty similar to what he was doing last year. Maybe a shade under on the assists and, and, and down a few in the rebounds. And then you've got Chris Paul, however old he is, uh, putting up 14.9 4.6 and 9.8. He's not actually eligible to be on the, the, the leaderboard for assists yet because he missed that period with his injuries. But the minute he comes back, he's only 0.1 off the league leader. So that means they're 
you've got two elite passers on this team. Do we uh, see? I did this earlier. I know Mo's going to have a not have a go. Here. He's going to going to start going crazy in his seat. But I was trying to work out, and this there'll be a twist to this. But I was trying to work out earlier. I was going down the the roster and see whether they could beat the Dubs. And uh, so I was like, well, Chris Chris Paul is is the go go to guy in the league in how to wear down Steph. We saw him doing it. Admittedly, they never beat them, but. You know, all the bumping he did on uh, Steph to, to sort of wear him down in those series. The next question was, can Clay keep pace with Harden? See, I'm not sure how much he can because the likelihood is they're going to meet in the in the uh, conference finals. And last year we saw Clay play amazing defense in the finals but absolutely deteriorate on offense. He could only play one on the ball. And I, I just think that Harden doesn't bother to play defense anyway. He's going to wear the guy down with his offense. Then I looked at how... The, the Warriors have struggled with Tristan Thompson. And Tristan Thompson's a guy who's absolutely earned his paycheck by by his performance is in the finals against the Warriors. And they're going to have a guy who's arguably as good, if not better, in Clint Capella. But then I remembered they had KD, so I got I had to suddenly had to temper <laughs> my, my entire, oh, wow, actually, no, wait, wait. And then I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I, th- I, th- I what I think is going to happen is I think we're going to get a really interesting series. I still think the Warriors are going to win. Um, but I, it's nice, well, it's not nice, it's good to see that this Rockets team look like they're being engineered specifically to try and take the Warriors out. And I think that's I think that's a really cool angle. Uh, Mo, did I have you scared for a minute then? <laughs> Mike, I thought you were going to continue with that theory the whole way through. Um, I, I'm glad you realised that the Warriors just have too much talent to lose. Like, I mean... It's just not fair when you're playing against them. Um, the thing this week that I saw was uh, a league executive coming out and saying that he thinks LeBron will join the Rockets in the summer. Um, I'm not too sure on how the numbers would work, but that could possibly lead to the best Western Conference Finals ever. That that would be amazing. Um, for anyone who's interested, the Rockets have the thirteenth highest payroll in the league. So that's not actually too bad. That's still a fair fair step from being the top. But if you're talking LeBron money, they're going to lose some assets to try and get hold of him. Well, they'd have to Joe, move Ryan Anderson, wouldn't they? If that was going to happen, because he's uh, on. Would you really want? Would you really want to move Ryan Anderson for LeBron? <laughs> well, but I'm actually I'm more worried about from the other side. Ryan Anderson has a big ass contract. He's injury prone, and this is going to sound weird because he's very good at what he does, but he's extremely one dimensional. Um, but I get. I mean, when you know when Le, when LeBron is available, you do whatever the hell you can. You get rid of anyone. But I'm personally not convinced by that. I think. I think LeBron will look a little bit harder than that. But what I would say about this Rockets team, I'm glad you brought up how they're being... Um, they don't just sign the best players available, the Rockets. They kind of, as you said, they focus on analytics. And this is where I'm going to go on a rant about Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley <laughs> was commentating on a Rockets game the other day, and he gave one of the worst quotes I've ever seen. He said, analytics only work when you've got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Kevin Durant... How on earth is this man paid to talk about basketball? You can't look at what the Rockets are doing and tell me that analytics hasn't played a huge part in it. Yeah, I like the fact that he's. Uh, you can't talk about analytics unless you've got KD. I don't think there was much analytics involved in him deciding to sign in free agency and leave the Thunder. Um, uh, yeah, Charles, Charles is going to Charles. That's, that's all I can say on him. <laughs> it's just That's just <laughs> crazy. You got anything on that, Mo? Um, no, I love what the Rockets have done. When you think about where they were before they traded for Harden in the first place and their team that they've built since then, how far they've come. There was a time where their best player was Kevin Martin. So I think they've done a great job. Haven't they only had one season below 500 in like the last yeah, if stupid you, amount of time? If you look at the total wins, um, I, th- I can't remember, I think since like 2002 or something, it's like San Antonio... And Houston are always in like the top five when you look at things like that. So they've been consistently winning, but I'm talking about in terms of having great players on their roster. I think this is the best team they've had since um, the sort of maybe even before that. I think this might yeah, be better than that. that. You're going back to um, Hakeem. I think just in terms of the, the amount of ways they can attack you, they've been consistently good. But I, I think actually. 
I think the best thing about Morris, he's turned this team from a good one into a great one. I would argue that's the hardest thing to do. It's it's kind of you can get your core players, but building around them is the hard bit, I think. And he's just done that insanely well. Yeah, I think you're right. Like I say, Maury's one of my well, he is probably my favourite GM at the minute. Um, so let's leave the let's leave the Rockets there, and let's let's just mosey on to their their defeated opponent on Saturday night, the the Portland Trailblazers. They're the sixth seed in the in the West at the minute with a thirteen and twelve record. They're fourth in defensive racing, which is absolutely amazing considering they were 24th last season, and they're 20th in offensive rating, which is also absolutely amazing considering they were 11th last year. Joe, what's going on with the Trailblazers? So I want to talk about your offense before we go on to the defense. You, uh, Portland are just desperate for wings. You know, in, in this league, you need, especially if you want to run a... If you've got a high-powered backcourt, you still need players who are going to get the best out of them. I really like what Alfredo Gamino brings to the basketball court, but I think outside of him, those wings are bare. You give like Pat, I don't know, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm going to go with Connaughton. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, he's averaging about 20 minutes a night. He's been okay, but I don't. I still think that obviously, not stately obvious, but that Evan Turner contract is absolutely killing the franchise. So. I gotta admit, I'm still shocked Portland are um, this lopsided, because I just didn't expect. It. I didn't think Stotts had the the defensive sort of tactical noose to get you sorted on that side of the ball. But I I do think he's got to do something about the offense. Yeah, I I look at the offense and it frustrates me that. See, one of the one of the issues I had last year <clears throat> is that CJ and Dame combined for. It was, it was about 46% of the Blazers' entire points, which, fine, if if you need that, you need that. But for me, if you want to be a successful team, you need a, a bit of a better spread. Um, it's not as much this year. It's dropped a whopping uh, <laughs> 1.9% down to 444 So that I just can't work out why. It's it's what, what I want when I say I don't want them to carry so much of the offensive load is that I don't want them to just not do as well. I would like other people to step up more, and I find that Nurk's getting fifteen. Fine, I can I can handle that, even though he's an absolute uh, negative in net rating. Um, and then the next person down on the list, I think, is Harkless, averaging about ten, maybe even just shy of that. And then everyone else is just no one else is really contributing. I want to see more players pushing their numbers up. Like Connaughton's averaging like six point seven points in in twenty minutes a game, and I, to me, he feels like. A poor man's JJ Redick, and that's no disrespect to him either, because I actually think the guy is doing really well given the the chances chances he's had in the league to perform. He's built himself up over the past three years from basically being getting splinters at the end of the bench and and only seeing court time in blowouts to actually now getting a um, decent amount of, of of reps on the court. But you c- you can't expect someone like him to step up when he's when he's third string behind. Guys like Damon CJ, who who are the stars of the show, even though they do go to a three guard set quite a lot. Um, for me, guys like Nurk Turner and Harkless, they just really need to to sort their their themselves out. For the time they're on the court, they need to be putting up more numbers. You're right about the Turner contract; I absolutely hate it. I absolutely hate the Leonard contract as well. I would I would ease, quite happily shift both of them if only you could shift both of them. And I realise I'm ranting now. Mo, what are your thoughts on the Blazers? Um, I think. The Blazers is mainly a talent issue. It's Dame, uh, CJ, and Nurkic score 60% of Portland's total points. So as an opposing team coming in, you only really have to focus on three players. I think I read earlier this week that the Blazers are shooting, I think, under 44% from the field. Um, That's the worst they've ever shot since 1970 when the franchise came about. Um, So I, I think it, they got themselves into some bad contracts, as Joe touched on. They've got some guys who are not worth the money that they're being paid, and until they move them or trade them, um, they're going to be in a tough position. Yep, I agree. I'm going to carry on ranting now, though. One of the things that really bugged me on, on uh, against the Rockets was, and it, it, we're right on picking apart this offense, and it's no wonder it's 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 so lowly ranked. Um, it's so static, unless the Unless the ball is out of Dame 
and CJ's hands, the only movement comes from Dame and CJ. And if the ball is in their hands, it's just one-on-one. -on -one. And I remember so many times that we, we was, the team was settling for a, a mid-range contested jump shot because they tried to break their man down one-on-one, -on -one, the help would come, and they'd kick out to someone else. And, and the defence was so efficient that the, the rotating secondary help was already there. It was just massively frustrating because in this league, when we, we talk about Daryl Moore and his analytics, you know that a contested two is the worst shot to take. It just massively frustrates me. Yeah, the problem with this offense is I think teams have figured it out. The offense has never been, um, for me, from watching it over the last four years since Stotts took over, it's never been based on ball movement. It's been based on player movement. The problem now is teams, as you said, are just coming to help on McCollum especially. And that's it. There's no extra player movement. I think the team also suffers in the pick and roll. Um, I... I, I don't buy the Nurkic love that everyone else does. I think he's a bang average league centre. I don't I don't see anything more from him. And Myers Leonard was supposed to become this pick and pop guy. That's what they signed him for. Uh, he's not very good at either of those things, sadly. And there's just not enough on this roster. They need a big jump from one of their two rookies from this year. I know we've not seen much of Zach Collins, but one of the things I liked about him was that ability to just step out um, above the key and knock down the three-pointer. We've not seen it yet. So if Terry Stott is this offensive genius that I, I personally I do think he is, I think he's a very good coach, he needs to just diversify this because what they've been doing for the last two years isn't quite working at the moment. Yeah, I no, I agree with that. Um, I agree with Mo saying there's a talent issue. I'm just trying to think how they can fix it because the, the talent they've got isn't warranting the contracts they've got, so the likelihood of, of passing those on for a positive return seems seems. Oh, there's limited. no chance you've got Evan Turner. <laughs> I'm being an optimist. Like, Evan Turner's <laughs> on like 18 mil for the next three seasons. Harkless is on like 10 mil. Myers on like 11 mil. No one's going to take those deals, especially when you can get players on rookie deals that are doing similar things. I'm not saying that Evan Turner and a rookie are the same. I, I personally like Evan Turner, but I don't really like Leonard or Harkless um, in that regard. No, I'm getting more and more frustrated. So that seems like a, a good point <laughs> to uh, to leave the Trailblazers behind. Um, and just to remind you that we're, what, we're two weeks away from Christmas now. So if you haven't... Uh, done all your christmas shopping and uh or if you haven't got your mum to do your christmas shopping for you as i know some people do not me though. or even um, if you even if you have done your christmas shopping you even can if do you more. have done your christmas treat shopping, yourself you can do more oh yeah nice nice one there Mo, i could say <laughs> uh yeah so if you haven't or even if you have got uh MB, some nba gear um make sure you get over to hardwood ventures who have everything you need nba wise i was on there a minute ago looking at a mini nba jam like hoop set and i uh, my girlfriend was or my fiance rather was rather upset uh with me trying to get her get get that um but i made a comment about rings and she's she's all right um but anyway that was a really long-winded way of saying that you get 10 percent off at the hardwood ventures shop by using the code mwdc8834 so that's 10 percent off everything um so use it check it out uh, make sure you get yourself something good for Christmas. So let's leave that behind then and go to Kawhi Leonard, who is rumoured to be making his season debut tomorrow. Um, Mo, how quickly do you think we can get this guy back to form? Because they, you know, they've obviously waited to, to bring him in gently. I, d I don't know. I don't really. They say tomorrow, but they've been changing the date all season. So, like, he was supposed to come back over a month ago, um, and then Pop said that they they actually don't know when he's coming back, and then, so he's coming back against the Mavs on tomorrow night. Um, I think that's a great opponent to come back against for a start. Um, it's easy to ease yourself in against the worst opposition. Um, I think with Kawhi, you know what you're going to get. And he, the length that they've held him out, I don't think that they would have rushed bringing him back by any means. So I think he's completely ready to go now. Otherwise, they wouldn't have waited so long. And plus, there's no need to rush him. It's still early-ish in the season. And the Spurs are doing quite well with that. And they're doing better than I thought they'd do. So I think I think he'd be ready to go. I think they haven't rushed him back because Greg Popovich could get twenty wins out of you know three trash cans, <laughs> you know three trash three trash cans and a jock strap. He's that good of a coach. If you look at that roster um, at the moment, I I like Aldridge. I think he gets over criticised, 
But if you go beyond that, it's actually quite depressing. You've got Rudy Gay, who is just a... Well, we don't. he's not very popular on this podcast. Then you've got guys like Patty Mills, who's shooting under 40%. You've got, you know, the corpse of Manu Ginobili. There's not a lot on this roster. Oh, hold on. Manu hit two buzzer beaters the other day. I'm taking that. There is life in that body. Respect, Manu. You've got to put respect on that. But then you've got, put it this way, they've got kind of a bunch of secondary pieces, and somehow they're they're 19 and 8. They... They they've won thirteen of their fifteen home games. They I mean I d- I know it's not a hot take to say the Spurs are really good, but actually in the last couple of years I think this is the best job Popovich has done, because just purely because of the lack of depth available at the moment. This is um, what I was saying in the summer is they've obviously got a superstar in Kawhi, but outside of that the talent is very thin, and I think if it was. Any team other than San Antonio with Popovich coaching, I think they would be criticised a lot more for not doing enough to surround Kawhi with other star players. Yeah, I, I think they would too. I, I, just touching back on how how their record is this season, I can't get over the fact they're nineteen and eight. I re- really, really can't. I'm sat there looking at it and going, "How? How many? How many guys can lose an MVP caliber player and still be?" that good that so their win percentage is 70.4 their win percentage for the entire last season was 74.4 that's ridiculous and in a league that seems to be becoming more and more pace and space they're 29th in pace which isn't isn't that big a surprise when you're considering to, to quote my learned friend on the other line uh the corpse of Manu Ginobili um <laughs> they're, they're, it's all about the defense for me still and they're lacking a two-time defensive player of the year and they're they're still third in defense. This team they just they just put a lid on it. It's just ridiculous. But yeah. I think there I is a, a factor of teams losing a star player and then the rest of the team playing harder in order to compensate for that. Um obviously you've seen Boston doing well without Gordon Hayward. Same way the Spurs are doing well defensively without Kawhi. It could be like a psychological and like a subconscious level that they're actually trying harder because they know that they feel the need to pick up the slack of what they're missing without Kawhi and hopefully when Kawhi's back in the other guys keep playing at that level of intensity and that level of defense see your your subtle Boston reference didn't escape me the the, the difference I'd, I'd call in that is that that was game one in his Celtics career this is what we now five six seasons of Kawhi and 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 this last year, this this was entirely him. Everything was built around him. So, so I can kind of I think there's a a bigger gap to fill there in terms of on court contribution. But then the other the other side of it, I guess, is um, this is not like a couple of games. I know that Hayward is obviously a season long injury, but usually when you see people pick up in 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 another player's absence, it's for a handful of games. This is like. 27 games this is this is sustained I, I, I just I just can't get my head around it and what you're saying is like you know there is that is part of it I just think there's something else and, it, and the only thing I'll point to is, is just pop just it, it is just pop we need to give credit to the Marcus Aldridge as well because when he signed that three mil, that three year 24 million a year contract extension he got ridiculed on NBA Twitter you know like you know those people who post a, a vine of someone making one bad defensive play and they call him washed up. Probably me in the past, but um, he's um, he's done a great job. He's he's playing efficiently, and he's he's actually been a defensive anchor for this team. The big problem that they're going to have, I think, even when Kawhi's back, is they're not getting much out of their point guards. Dejounte uh, Murray had a good first couple of games, and since then we've barely heard from him. Patty Mills as well. I've watched the Spurs a few times. He just does not. I don't see what everyone else sees. He's shooting under 40% from the field. And, you know, they're going to win 50 games. But I pose this question to both of you. Can they get past the second round? They'll they'll probably get past the first round. But is there much of a ceiling, even with Popovich as their coach? Um, I'm not convinced. I think they'll get blitzed by either the Warriors or... Or the Rockets, whoever they end up facing, I just I just don't think they'll be able to keep pace with those teams for for a full forty eight minutes. I just I just don't see how they can. They're they're too old and too slow, and I think that's been their their downfall the past two or three years. 
How different is this conversation if Chris Paul signed in San Antonio instead of Houston this summer? Very. Slightly, but no, I don't even think very. Well, with that look, change of view and how far they could go in the playoffs and also a change of view about the Rockets as well. Uh, it, yes, it would change my view in that they would stand a, more of a chance against the Rockets. And But I, if they faced, I still just, the minute they come near the, the Warriors, whatever round they meet them in, they're, they're going to get waxed. But I suppose you could say that about every roster. So um, <laughs> it's a bit of a moot point. Um <laughs> One of my Joe, you've complimented uh, Lamarcus Aldridge twice now. Um, like, this Aldridge frustrates me. He, I'm trying to think how to put this without coming across as someone who's just very, very mean. He strikes me as a, a, a B-rate prima donna, for want of a better description. Like everything, like he's he can't lead. If you if he's your your franchise player you may be making the first round of the playoffs if 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 he's the lead guy. The minute he's not the lead guy, he throws his toys out the pram. It's like he won't accept that there are guys in the league better than him. I, you know, he, he had the conversations with uh, Pops this summer about not having a big enough role, um, and, and Pops is like, oh, yeah, well, I probably sh- should have helped, got him involved a bit more. But I'm just like, oh, how, how much can this guy actually do? He He is good for leading a team. I get that. He can lead a team, but he can't do it to an elite level. And I just don't understand why he can't accept that. Am I being really harsh? No, but what, what I will say, I think he has led this team in the first 27 games. I know Greg Povich is a big factor, but you look down the, the average points per game, Aldridge is at 23. Next is Rudy Gay at 12. Like Aldridge has legitimately been really good. And this is where I buy into Mo's theory. I do think that these Spurs players have just stepped up. I think when Leonard's back, we are going to see Aldridge again, potentially moaning because Leonard is that offense. You know, he's just insanely efficient. It's all built around him getting the ball in his areas, usually the low post and they work off of it. So, but I still, I I think nationally Aldridge does deserve more credit than he gets. I think there's a lot of people who aren't willing to admit that they were harsh this summer. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I I mean he as an offensive player, he's quite unique. He's got great footwork, he's got a nice mid-range. He's st- starting to stretch out to the 3. Uh you're right, he has led them this season. My my concern is though that he is going to toys out the pram the minute that Kawhi comes back in. I wonder how much of a regression of a regression we will see from from LaMarcus. Um Let's go to the Eastern Conference now, uh, to the Charlotte Hornets. So December the 6th, which feels like ages away now, um, the Charlotte Hornets announced that head coach Steve Clifford would be away from the team for the immediate future to address his health. Currently, there is no timetable for his return. Hornets associate head coach Stephen Silas will serve as the acting head coach. Out of respect for Clifford's privacy, the Hornets will have no further comment at this time. That's a quote from the Hornets press. Uh, press team MJ's had a player only meeting which apparently was constructive this team's 13th in the east at 9 and 16 they've got the 12th highest payroll in the league <laughs> who wants to jump in on that one go for it Joe do you remember this summer you probably don't know but I wrote that article about sort of ranking the um, franchises in terms of um, supportability yeah do you remember that? And I sort of yep. said, yeah, this will be good. This is a good team support. I should have put these guys last in hindsight because I, um, I'm just going to throw out some numbers now. So first of all, Kemba Walker, he's a good player. He's not a great player. He's a good player. Um, he's very good in the pick and roll. He's a better defender. But I just want to give a stat here. So next year, they have, I'm just adding it up now, they have $67 million committed to these four play- five players. Cody Zeller, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Marvin Williams, Nicola Batum, and Dwight Howard. They have six. They have nearly seventy million dollars committed to those guys, and that is only ten million less than the Dallas Mavericks' entire payroll. And they've got that in pretty average players. I'm sorry to say, um, Nicola Batum in 2021 has a cap hit of 27 and a half million dollars so that's basically where they're at at the moment they have got i don't see any ceiling for any of those guys um they are what they are for me and we're only going to see regression from howard batum and williams 
Uh, this is quite a depressing franchise at the moment. Outside of Kemba, obviously. No, I think that's, I think that's a very, very fair point. Um, I do like the kit, though, so that's all good. Um, no, the, 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 the Hornets are a frustrating team because a couple of years ago they made the playoffs against expectations, I want to say. Last year I, I got I got stung. Yeah, you see that? Hey, I got stung by them. That's how you do a proper <laughs> uh, pun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when they went on the win streak at the start of the season, only to just absolutely uh, just get you know flattened towards the end of the season. It was just uh, a mess. Do you think it's, it's time for Rich Cho to go at all, Mo? Um, I think at this point, any coaching change, any front office changes, etc., etc., won't make a difference because you've got these players locked up on contracts and I don't see anyone trading for any of these guys because there'd be no sense in that for any other team because their talent doesn't match the deals that they're on. Um, I think they got too excited with like the potential of this team and weren't really realistic when signing these guys. I mean, like, at the time, Nicola Batum signed that contract. Yeah, he's way up there in three-point percentage, etc. Um, but at the same time, Talent-wise, I don't think he's... Compared to the other players who are getting paid $25 million a season, he's not up there with the rest of them. Um, so I think it's... What Joe said about supportability, it's a shame that Charlotte have always been so hopeless. I say always been, because ever since I started watching basketball, pretty much they've been useless. Um, but the one thing they do have, they have the Michael Jordan factor, and also that being the Hornets all their retro jerseys, et cetera, et cetera, look really cool. So all you Hornets fans can take take hope from that. I mean, you still got... I really like watching Hornets games because of the honeycomb bee pattern. Well, not the bees, the Hornet pattern, obviously. But on the court, I think like, things like that are really cool. Um, front office, hopeless. That's all I can say about them. I, I do like that that two of us have gone. What we like about the Hornets is the uniform, and what we like to watch <laughs> is the court. It, that kind of sums it up, really. Um, is is Michael Jordan the worst owner? And I say that in a room that's basically a shrine to him uh, right now. Um, uh, it, yeah. I, well, I think the New York guy, whose name Dolan. Oh yeah. Yeah, James Dolan. Dolan's. Oh, yeah. yeah, good shout, good save, Joe. He's, Dolan's. he's the worst. <laughs> Dolan's the worst. And then you've got um, the Chicago one whose name is escaping me. Uh, Reinsdorf. Reinsdorf. Yeah, Reinsdorf is dreadful as well. But Jordan, I don't think he's a bad owner in the sense that he's just an idiot. I just think he's been very... I think he's actually been more hands-off with this team than people think. He's given Rich Cho a long time and... Rich Cho, his only good thing was drafting Kemba Walker. They drafted Frank Kaminsky. That guy is very li- exact. He's such a limited. They took him ahead of Miles Turner, and mistakes like that for me, uh, you deserve to lose your job for that. Okay, so the prognosis then for the Hornets is it's not good, and it's not going to get any better for a while yet. Um, no, that's probably the last we have to talk about them until March. March 2019. <laughs> Dwight has been putting up some good performances. I knew you were going to come in with it. I know you were. Dwight's you my and guy. Dwight have met. Dwight's my Dwight's guy. Your guy. Dwight. So is is he leading? So he leads the league in 2020s, doesn't he? Yeah, he put. Up, I watched the game and he put up 20 and 25. Um, and then you see him do things. Do you see the clip the other day? He blocked someone on one end, ran the fast break, and um, scored the dunk at the other end. And yeah, I think I, think I did. Actually. He looks. Like he's having a lot of fun playing in Charlotte. He seems to be enjoying it a lot more. Not that that has any relevance to them doing anything. No. But it is good to see him showing flashes of what he used to do back when he was in his prime. There's people who deny that Howard's a Hall of Famer. And I don't get that at all. That's, that just People forget how good Dwight Howard was back when he, he was... was. He was really good. But do, do you think he missed the trick? And I, I, I seem, this seems to be like I sound like a broken record now. But... A guy, another guy who relied on his athleticism as a youngster, and then the minute that started to wane through his back injuries or whatever, he hadn't developed any other aspect of his game. Yeah, um, well, he tried to work on his post-up game. He still works on it, uh, but it's just it's just not his thing. I think it, in terms of why he fell off from his prime a lot quicker than possibly you expected as well, 
was the career move of going to the Lakers where there was no chemistry in that team with him. I don't think Kobe wanted him to be there. They didn't really get along. Um, and then signing in the Rockets, it wasn't what he thought it would be like signing with them. He thought he'd have a much bigger role, but obviously that's the emergence of James Harden as a superstar came out. Um, and then back home in Atlanta last year, it wasn't a great season either. Um, so I think had that whole fiasco in Orlando not gone down in the same way, possibly he could have stayed at a higher level for a bit longer. Is this what he is now, though? Is he going to be a big ego guy who always plays on bad teams because his style of offense isn't that valuable? You really need you need a specific system around him. You just basically need to run 20, 30, 40 pick and rolls a night. And I don't, I don't think that they bring enough other people in to play that because he's not a great passer. He's not someone who can pop out and create driving angles for everyone else. Is that what he's going to be? Is he just going to be a guy who always takes one-year deals and probably never plays in the playoffs again? Oh well, what, what he was saying this summer before the season started is now he's he's older. He wants to take a role on guiding some of the younger guys of the Hornets with his experience of having been to the finals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, take on more kind of a mentoring role, I guess you could kind of say. Um, so no, I don't think he's going to kind of be that guy demanding how he was back when he was in like LA or whatever I want this many post-ups per game etc etc I think he's taken a bit of a more mature role than he has previously I, I still I, I I look at that and I I can't imagine Dwight as a mature character like and that's not like to insult him either he's quite you know he's a fun-loving light-hearted likes to joke around I'm not sure how I'd feel about him being uh, a mentor if I was the, the the GM I mean certainly he's he has had the talent to 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 warrant an air of authority. I'm just not sure he's the right kind of person I'd want uh giving my youngsters the the this is how you get by the first few years in your league in the league. Um let's leave the Hornets because because yeah, they're the Hornets. Um <laughs> had a couple of listener questions. Oh so didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So M- Matt Hardy uh at double clutch UK, should I be happy about the Nets Sixers trade? So before answering, I did have to go back and clarify whether Matt was a Sixers or Nets fan or neither, and he's a Nets fan. So as a Nets fan, should he be happy about the Nets uh, trade for Jalil for Gobo? Yeah, I think I think you should. Trevor Booker's a veteran on an expiring deal. It's not like you're going to build have him as any part of your franchise building blocks from here. So you've now picked up. Uh, D'Angelo Russell and you've got Jill Oak for both of them top five picks in the same draft year um, was it the 2015 yeah that sounds about right 2015 draft um, yeah I think obviously Oak for we always say Oak for he plays the old school style of basketball um, but we've just spent a section of this podcast praising the Mark Aldridge for what he's doing um, and I think if he could play in a similar way to Aldridge and be effective he's never had the chance so far in the league to show what he's capable of. What's interesting is his per 36 numbers. Um, I saw someone put out a stat the other day about his per 36 numbers were up there for the first three seasons in the league um, with some of the best players um, that that are well-known around the league. Um, so I think that they've not lost out on anything. I think that Philly could have even got more from different teams. Um, so yeah, if you're a Nets fan, you should be quite happy. Joe? Um, I agree with that. I, I Don't get me started on Brett Brown, by the way. Um, I don't want to go into the way he's handled Noel and, um, and Okafor over the last couple of years, but I, I kind of... I've, I don't buy into this Okafor being a net negative like everyone else seems to. I think if you can put up 20 points a game in this league, which I do believe he's capable of doing, by the way, you're a good player because if it was that easy, there's a lot of people sliding out of the league who would do it. I think he can be good in this team as well. They run a lot of pick and roll the nets. Kenny Atkinson is the coach is well known for getting the best out of that play type. My only concern is, and this actually, this wasn't my original thought either. I've copied it from Twitter. Um, one of uh, one of our sound editors, Jamie Oppenheim, big Nets fan, he said that he tweeted on December the 7th, completely forgot that the Nets can't keep Okafor if he's any good. And that is because they inherit the declined um, team or player option. 
meaning they can only offer a starting salary of six million. So let's say Okafor is really good, which I think he will be, by the way. Um, they, when he hits the court, though, it sort of if he, you know, if he hits the court, if they like him, they ca- they can only offer a small starting salary. So. That is the only concern. What I would say, though, is Okafor has been through... I think he's had a bad couple of years in the league. He wasn't appreciated, certainly by the Philly media. So I do think, if he's any good, he will stay around even for a little bit less money. See, now it's interesting that you brought up uh, our producer, Jamie Oppenheim, because knowing that we had this question and knowing he's a Nets fan, I I reached out to him. Um, And I said I just wanted to get his opinions because uh, for for a Nets fan to Nets fan uh, answer because there aren't many Nets fans, so we'll try and connect them. Um, So the response I got was, awful trade. Nets can't pay Okafor more than 6.3 million next year, so if he's any good this season, they can't really keep him. If he's bad, why would you want to keep him? He then went on to say that Sean Mikes has a habit of putting the Nets in a position to be outbid for their own players. If Lynn played like an all-star this year, they could have been outbid by anyone willing to give him close to a max. So Jamie's obviously not a big fan of the trade. And just to remind everyone that the trade was for... So Philly sent uh, Okafor, Nick Stauskas and the second round pick to Brooklyn for Trevor Booker. So yes, Trevor Booker's expiring. Um, Okafor could be there, may not be there, could be outbid if he if he does well. I think, the way I look at it, I think that I feel uh, that Nick Sauskastil Stauskis is a non-entity in this league at the minute. Uh, Okafor's a flawed talent and it seems like a lot of hoops to have jumped through to have given up a second round pick and, and the way that picks seem to be valued these days, even second round ones, particularly a Brooklyn second round one, I'd be tempted to say that uh, I, I I don't like the deal from a, a Nets fan's perspective. I feel like they've given up a heck of a lot. Um, well, the thing is, it's all well and good complaining. Obviously, there's major flaws in these players that have come over. But if you're the Nets front office, what can you do? You can't draft anyone because you're giving away your draft picks. And you can't sign any good free agents because no one really wants to play for you because you're not very good. So I like the whole taking a chance on these guys who have had a bad few years, but they're still young with a high upside if they can fulfill anything close to what was projected of them. Um, so I think what what else could you possibly do to improve this team if you're the Nets front office, aside from doing deals like this? So I, I wouldn't give away my picks. I, th- I think if they'd have gone... I think I could stomach this more. Not that I'm, I'm not like, oh my god, this is a terrible trade or anything like that. I just I'm looking at it like, why, why for Booker who is meh, not amazing, like it doesn't move, doesn't move the earth. Why, why isn't Booker for Okafor and Stauskas just the trade? Philly didn't did not want. Um, actually, I've completely misread that, haven't I? I've just realised I've misread this. Is is the Nets get the pick, yeah, don't they? Yeah, so they've got a pick uh, and these Oh, I'm two all in on this player. trade then. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've completely misread that. I've been thinking about this trade completely wrong for a week. Okay. Um, yeah, well, then I've shut myself up. <laughs> all right. I don't, Brilliant. It's a, it's, for me, it's a low-risk move. If he is good, um, I still don't think teams are going to be lining up to sign him just because I think his skill set is very unique. But also, I don't think he's going to be lining up to leave. He's you know, he's had a really poor couple of years. He wasn't treated well by Brett Brown. Um, so I wish him all the best. Next. Yeah, I've completely changed my mind on this now as well. I'm like, I'd, I'd have taken a second-round pick for Booker. There, fine, done. <laughs> but yeah, all, all the best to him. Yeah, I, th- I think he's going to get an opportunity to earn money, Okafor, as, uh, as, as long as he as, can see the court. It's it's all on his shoulders now. Just just to interrupt, are you guys seeing this uh, Leangelo and Lamelo ball? Yeah, I, coming I, in I, hot right now, looking to sign in Lithuania. I'm just I'm just imagining Lavar Ball getting mouthy to a Lithuanian coach and just getting decked. That's oh, all I'm imagining. It's a right different now. culture out there, but what what they're saying is they're not expected to see major playing time for the team that signs them but they will be afforded the opportunity to develop at the lower levels of the Baltic League, which is called the BBL, 
not the BBL like English BBL, but the Baltic League BBL. Um, yeah, they could they could um, play there. I'm not too sure how big Big Baller Brand will be out in Lithuania, but Lithuania they love basketball. It's huge out there. So maybe yeah, and they produce very fundamentally sound all round players who are tough guys. So maybe that will it will. It'll give these guys a more all-round and complete game. Well, that's a baptism. It's an that's take. a baptism by fire, not just for the, um, not just for the two boys, but for Lavar Ball as well, because he can't behave the way he has in America over there. Yeah, he can't. He can't come in you know, to Lithuania preaching all this big baller brand rubbish. He's, you know, I, I think this is a decent move. It's that is. I mean, that really is. That is going to be a tough league physically. I can imagine um, for those two. That's. And he pulled, I can't remember which one he pulled out of UCLA, but that is just... Leangelo. Yeah, yeah. you're not getting a much different, you can't get a more different experience. Well, it might set a precedent now for, shout out to Gary Maitland, sending this in right now. Um, He said, that's the kind of story that could change the path for a number of young Americans who aren't really fussed about their education. So players can go overseas and get paid while they're, because you have to have been a year out of high school to be eligible for the NBA draft. So rather than going to college, players could then go overseas and get paid for that year. I think uh, Emmanuel Moudier did that. He went over to China for a year. That hasn't worked out too well. But if this works for... Leangelo is most likely not going to get to the league, but if it works for Lamelo, um, could see more kids doing that further down the line. Yeah, I, I agree. Matt and I had a, a similar conversation a few weeks back where we spoke about the, the end of the one-and-done rule. And, and for me, this is really where the G League should be coming into effect. Guys shouldn't have to go abroad. They shouldn't have to go to school. They should be able to, as, many, as, as, as long as they're old enough to legally earn money, they should be able to earn money doing what they're good at. Why would you stop anyone from doing that? And if they're not quite good enough to be in the NBA, then that's what I, I think the G League should be. So kind of like... um. Almost like a reserve squad in in Premier League, and I'm pro- I might be completely wrong. So I haven't followed football in about fifteen years, but you know, you know, you, you get your youngsters in there to develop, and then eventually move them into the first yeah, team. Yeah, well, Real Madrid and Barcelona basketball teams—they have their men's first team, but they also have younger squads at every age level through their sure. academy system. So potentially somewhere there could be some scope for G League teams doing academies for, let's say, under 17s, under 16s, under 15s. Um, but the NCAA makes too much money to um, to want to change this whole system. Yeah, I, I don't think you need to change it. I just uh, If you give a viable alternative to the NCAA, it will force the NCAA to do something different. So if this G League says, if you want to, leave high, if you want to come out of high school and go and play pro, you can get drafted. It'll get you there with NBA development coaches, they they must have something you know they have the rookie orientation where they do stuff about this is how you manage money that sort of thing as long as you give the guys those core skills they're never going to be earning the same sort of money that they earn in the league to start with but you get the two-way contracts now which are which are bigger than the g league salaries guys will do it because i mean you can say what you want about the ncaa and its corruption and and players players getting paid to play there these are athletes who are being asked to do a hell of a lot for little return because most of them don't get their degrees anyway well no the ncaa is a whole thing is a it's very controversial sort of mainly amongst younger people because they're basically realizing that it's modern day slavery in a way if you think about it if you think about how much money they make and it's it's not as bad in basketball in comparison to american football because american football is a hundred times more dangerous but it's the ncaa i think people are starting to reject the whole premise of it and i do i do agree with you that actually i think we are going to start to see more people go to euro league and but not i don't even think just yearly i think but you've got the baltic league which we're just talking about um gonna see i think people go to australia places like that and that's good for me because i i don't support the NCAA, which is why I don't follow college basketball that much. Oh, I, just to, to sort of piggyback on that, I think the more and more we're seeing guys come from these uh, non-American countries 
and come into the league not as projects but as almost finished products or guys who can at least come in and are already able to contribute at a decent level the more people are going to see that that you know no longer is it you know when Dirk first came over and it took him a few years to adjust or coup coach where it took him like a season or two to get his, his sort of feet under him now now guys just come in and hit the ground running Paul Zingas was good in his first year would have been better if he'd have been given more more chances um Doncic coming in this year is going to be good. If he comes, that could be a that could be a massive thing. They got um, Karuks as well, who declared for last year, then undeclared. There's a couple of really good players coming out from Europe, which is going to, as we say, boost our case that the NCAA is trash. <laughs> right, we've got massively distracted. We've got one more listener question, and then we then we'll wrap up. But uh, Simon Noble, um, when Levine returns. Is he going to blow the Bulls tank job, Joe? He is, yeah. He's going to blow it right out of the water. He's going to put up a hell of a lot of points. If you watch that team now, uh, defensively, they're pretty good. They're a lot better than I expected. They are... I'm just going to double-check myself. They are... Oh, sorry, they're not. They're 27th. I have got that completely <laughs> wrong. But, but, but the offense is even worse, so... They're bottom of offensive rating in 96.8. They're trying to run a uh, spread offense, and they don't have any player who can run it. I'm not buying Chris Dunn. I still don't think he's very good. So Levine, I mean, you know my views, Mike. I think Levine is better than Andrew Wiggins, and I think we've got rid of the wrong guy. But Levine is going to be so fun. I think him and Markinen, look, I'm not saying they're going to make a playoff run, but they're not going to be the worst team in the league uh, When for me when those guys are back. Mo, do you do you think there's any chance that the Bulls uh, pull a 76ers here and and say you're done for the season? Don't don't even bother lacing them up. Just rest up, get yourself ready. We'll go in for a whole season next year. Um, no, I don't think so. He's playing with their G League team at the minute, um, and I think he's still only 22. Um, and the injury he's got isn't as serious as the ones that I think Embiid had or Simmons. Um, so I think they're going to give it a go because they've got nothing to lose. He's not going to. As good as he could possibly be, I don't think he takes them from losing games to winning games just by being on the court. I think the Bulls, as a team, are just flawed massively. Um, so he's not going to ruin the tank job at all. Um, the tank is well and truly rolling on. Um, so, no, I think they'll they'll bring him back, and I think he'll be all right. And it's just, for him, it's a case of establishing himself in... Because he's kind of the leader of that team. When you look at the roster... And you look at the other players, he's kind of the most talented out of them all. Um, probably got the most potential out of them all. Um, I'm a fan of marketing, but it's going to take him, like I said, a while to improve. Um, but no, I don't see him ruining tank job at all. Interesting. I, 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 I kind of don't see him being a, a guy capable of leading a team to wins yet. You know, maybe a, a one or two, but not enough to to ruin the tank job, but I do think he runs the risk of making Chicago slightly more exciting, which uh, any tanking team doesn't want anyway. Um, well, at the moment, though, yeah. they are the clear worst team in the league. Do you not yeah, Do you not think Levine pushes them above Atlanta and Dallas, at least? Possibly, but the thing is with Atlanta and Dallas, they've still got some players there who know how to win and I don't feel like this Bulls team do I think when yeah I see where you're coming from they're still going to be right in the doldrums but from on 2k they improve massively (laughs) but in terms of like draft pick percentage going from last or going from 30th to 29th yeah that could that can affect the tank job I see what you I do agree with what you're saying I don't think uh, Levine himself, though, is enough to like start pulling them out of a hole. I think if they come up against a team like Dallas, Dallas are just going to veteran savvy them and and take them out. But I don't know. It's an interesting one. I try and avoid the balls. To be honest, they 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 hurt me too much when I when I watch them. It's just car crash TV, really. Um, but anyway, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, if you don't already, make sure you follow at Double Clutch UK on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, which I'm trying to figure out how to use because it's just weird. Um, you're pretty good at it though, aren't you, Mo? Um, I'm all right at these things. I'm all right. 
Where can people find you? Um, you guys could find me. My personal account on Twitter is at the Hoop Genius. You can catch me on Insta at Hoop Genius on YouTube.com slash Hoop Genius on Facebook.com slash Hoop Genius anywhere. You'll find me. <laughs> we'll talk basketball. Get involved. There was a theme there, definitely. Joe, do you have a, do you have a YouTube account? No, I don't. I'm afraid. <laughs> me, me either. Yours is yours is Holbert Joe. Yep. It is. Yep. Fit. on Twitter um, and make sure you get to Hard Adventures in time for Christmas MWDC8834 and thank you very much to our presenting sponsor Leaning you can shop for all their latest gear and they've got some really good kicks out uh, at www.shop-leaning.com um, we've been the Double Clutch Podcast thank you very much for listening see you next time <laughs>